This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. It's time for Speak Legal, conversations with Community Law Otago, made with the support of Law Faculty, University of Otago. Well, it seems over a period of time everybody's got some sort of opinion about the Resource Management Act and it's uh, the good points and not so good points. It's always in the news, it seems, and always potentially under review. Where is it at right now? Well, Lily Marsh joins us on the line this morning to talk about the Resource Management Act. Morena, good to have you with us, Lily. Thank you. Take us uh, through um, where we're currently at with the Resource Management Act, Lily. So obviously over the last couple of years especially, it's been a very politically charged, controversial, always in the news kind of issue as you said. Um, We're at a stage now where we actually have some indication of what's going to happen with the reforms. We have um, an exposure draft of the Natural and Built Environments Act, which will be the main replacement for the RMA, which will cover most aspects of development, resource consenting, that kind of thing. And then we've also been told that we're going to have the Strategic Planning Act, which will cover long-term regional spatial strategies, so deciding where development can and can't happen based on what's good for the environment and also infrastructure. And then finally, there's the proposed Climate Adaptation Act, which is pretty self-explanatory, but covers some quite complex issues, such as managed retreat from coastlines. What are the main issues with the current Resource Management Act? Why are these reforms necessary? So part of the issues is that based, sorry, apart from previous legislation, the RMA is about decentralising control from central government and is also an effects-based piece of legislation. This is in contrast to the previous Act, the Town and Country Planning Act, which was less decentralised and also more about prescribing what is acceptable for the environment. And kind of decentralising from central government, in theory that's a great idea because local government can tailor legislation, tailor regulations to what's going on in that area and they obviously have a lot better connection with residents. But in a lot of areas that also means that there's not enough ratepayers to fund vital projects such as stormwater, wastewater, sewage upgrades. And we've seen that especially in areas like the West Coast where they're dealing with large, large amounts of <clears throat> rainwater that needs to be dealt with. But due to the proportionally low number of ratepayers, they can't keep up with the upgrades that need to be happening to ensure sustainable development. So what are the main changes that are proposed for the reforms, Lily? So even though it was hailed as this grand new approach to decentralise and have an effects-based piece of legislation, it's quite interesting that this these new reforms are actually harking back to some of the principles from the previous legislation, which are more about a prescriptive method of planning. So, for example, the Strategic Planning Act is a lot about setting out you know, what kinds of development can happen, where and how, and they're setting more environmental baselines rather than just getting bodies to mitigate or respond to effects of development. And as well, there'll be a lot more central government funding and still collaboration with local governments um, through implementation agreements, but overall, hopefully, 
the money will go where it needs to go based on the environment and the needs of communities rather than expecting ratepayers to pay for massive projects that are vital for their communities but can't necessarily be funded by the number of people in that community. The Minister for the Environment, uh, David Parker, has also said there's going to be more scope for meaningful consultation with Tangata Whenua. Yes. So in the previous Act, this issue has been quite contentious, has played out in court a lot of times. Even the phrase mana whenua, which the RMA kind of focuses on as its main conduit for consultation, is a bit of a charge phrase because it is, the way we use it now is more of a Pākehā invention, referring to groups of um, iwi or hapu rather than individuals having mana, which is the more traditional way it was used. So as opposed to the part two of the IRA we have at the moment, referring to you know um, upholding rights of mana whenua and things like that as national priorities, it's kind of changed around and in some ways modernised, which is good to see. But it'll be interesting because instead of having you know, specific requirements that these rights should be upheld, they're going for more of a kind of collaborative, um, fresher approach, some would say. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out in court. And all of this is happening alongside some other initiatives as well. We've got Three Waters. It seems that Three Waters is probably just about as controversial at the moment as anything around the Resource Management Act. It definitely is not an easy road through all of this, is it? No, there's yeah a lot going on, especially obviously a lot of the issues that the RMA you know tries to address, like climate change and the changes we're seeing in our environment. It you know something does need to happen, but it'll. I don't think there's ever going to be a solution that fits well for everyone. So, for example, Three Waters, the name refers to our kind of three big types of water we deal with in New Zealand, which is drinking water, wastewater and stormwater. And the premise of that initiative is to deal with some of those funding issues I talked about. So rather than relying on ratepayers and local government to fund upgrading stormwater wastewater systems, it'll be more in the focus of central government to do that still in collaboration with local communities. However, always taking power away from local government is always a contentious issue, and we're still yet to see how this is going to play out in practice. Lily, you've obviously had to have a do a bit of research when you're preparing for a session like this, and I, you know it's, it's not always easy to tell where uh, any reforms of the Resource Management Act are at? What's the progress? Where do you you keep an eye on these things? Where's the best place to go to keep yourself up to date with this kind of information? Um, I feel as if the most robust and clear to read information will come from the Ministry for the Environment website. They've kind of put out a lot of good resources kind of breaking down the proposed legislation, the new... um, freshwater policies, that kind of thing, in quite a clear and easy-to-read way, which is really helpful. Well, that's been really helpful talking to you this morning too, Lily. Thanks so much for joining us for another edition of Speak Legal, and we look forward to catching up with Community Law Otago next week. Thank you for having me. Community Law Otago. Free legal advice and support for the people of Otago. Visit our weekday advice clinics at 169 Princess Street, Dunedin. 
clinic session times are available from the website communitylawotago.com. Ring 474-1922 or 0800-169-333 if calling from outside Dunedin. Speak Legal is made with support from the Law Faculty, University of Otago, training for life. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.